It's 2020, guys. And what we're excited for, and Brett has something weird up his sleeve. Uh, it's not weird, but okay. Fresh poo poo. This just in. <laughs> I won't go there. You maybe, know what? maybe for dickish at best. Too bad it doesn't pull like the backing audio still, so we just have a clip of you I saying that. I kind of wish it did. <laughs> oh well. See, look, us trying to be uh, easy on ourselves has led us to not have the ability to go back and hear that gem of a of a thing that everyone should have just heard. Uh, anyway. Welcome to Triangle Squared. I'm your host, Brett Beck, and alongside me, as always, Mr. Saul Bridges, episode 145, lucky 145. Lucky 145, and the first of the year 2020, so I hope you guys had good Christmas, had a good, uh, actually, I think last episode we recorded after Christmas, so I hope you had a good New Year's. Uh, I went and spent a lot of time with family and, and had fun, and it was slightly nice to have like a, a, a slightly more than seven days break just as kind of like a little cleanse it was cool that the way our work week has been broken up the past two weeks too that's also we, true we didn't work full weeks these past two weeks i think the, these last couple of weeks were just good refreshers in general to give us kind of like okay yeah we have time outside of any form of work yeah. i got time to see family and not have to worry about the podcast since we had pre-recorded and of course not having to worry about work um with with the breaks that we had around there so good times had fun glad to Come back to this, though, and hopefully everybody else is. Uh, <clears throat> with the new year, we are going to be bringing a couple of changes to the show that me and Saul have been talking about. Uh, one of the things is is that we're, there's a really, really high chance that we're going to be bringing back reader mail, but it's not going to be reader mail through Triangle Squared. Uh, back whenever we originally were talking about if it came back, um, I always wanted to kind of do it as a separate thing where it's just reader mail and it's essentially still us it's still nartech but it's it's really just uh we can call it whatever it can be general reading mail or whatever but we're probably going to make a separate show that's specifically made for that it'll still go up on all the things um we'll figure out exactly how we're going to do that definitely for podcast services for you audio guys uh audio listeners but with all that said we are essentially at a point where a new year means that there's a lot of new things we want to try so uh before we get into the whole episode, one of the things you, uh, where I guess we're going to go ahead and talk about is we're going to try out uh, a change in the way we handle news. News is honestly something a lot of you guys are, uh, know about. And if this is something that, if you really enjoy the news section, please let me know. It doesn't mean we're going to necessarily change things, but it's more about getting a gauge on how many of you actually uh, care about the news section versus what we could do with it. One of the things we wanted to do. Um, with last year and we got back into doing was a little bit more of a community input with the community's take section. But what we're thinking about doing now is choosing one big news thing that happened throughout the week uh, and having that be uh, something that we push out and it'll be a, co a combination of essentially the community's take uh, alongside something news related where we look at something that we think is decent size in the news and then get a feel for how y'all guys uh, feel about it versus how we feel about it as well. Uh, extend that section out a little bit. Give us, you know, a, a still a good, flow of uh of of week of sorry community input uh that we can you know kind of riff along as well uh, and then going into the main topic without necessarily having that section and probably having a little bit more time for the main the main section or i guess I, it would essentially help us not feel rushed because we do have to do this somewhat on a timeline uh, it's just kind of how considering that we have personal lives that we still have to go out and work and you know uh have kids and we families. are adults 
Yeah, and uh, sadly, this is not our full-time job. If it was, it'd be a different situation. Uh, but with all that said, that's one of the things that we're going to change, and there's going to be more that come. Uh, we're probably going to change the setup. We're going to look at starting to incorporate uh, TV in the back for you uh, visual people who watch us over on YouTube. Um We'll have we're, we're we're trying out exactly how we're going to do it right now. We're going to uh, anytime we're talking about something, we're going to try and cast it over to the TV, so we kind of have just something going. Uh, it's more of something that we just like from a set viewpoint, I think, and it's uh, yeah. a little more fun to do. Um, but from there, I guess we'll go ahead and hop into the show proper. Uh, if you've never heard of us, we are a PlayStation-based podcast, but we still talk about everybody in the industry uh, from a manufacturer standpoint, how we think Sony compares up to the other big three in uh, Microsoft and Nintendo, things that we see Sony doing that we'd like to see the competition uh, do, or things that we see the competition doing that we'd like to see Sony do. Uh, and of course, from a publisher level, talking about all the games that are not only coming to PlayStation because of third-party publishers, but of course, things that we see them doing that we'd like to see Sony maybe dabble in um and vice versa but with all that said it's time to start this show off the right way and saw what have you been playing and i know this one's a big list for once this is a massively big list so i don't did i discuss that on the show at all i don't remember i think the last time we recorded because let, let's try and piece this together i don't think that you had your one x no okay. by the last time we recorded so i guess the way to start this story off would be to talk about the fact that you got an incredibly cheap xbox one x yeah so um after we no, because it was the last it was the last time we recorded we went to a target after oh. so yeah we definitely haven't told the story yet yeah. so i said it in discord but essentially uh the last episode that we got we recorded when we got done brett and i went to target with the intents of using his truck to help me get a tv and something that I had kind of looked at previously in the day because GameStop was running really, really good trade-in deals and sales since it was towards the end of the year. Um, they had the NBA 2K19 uh, bundle Xbox One X on their website for 250 So half the retail price of their typical cost of an Xbox One X. Um, but when we got to 2K19 or 18, 2K19, I'm pretty sure it was yeah. the one that had like the playbook style decals on the box. Thankfully, yeah, I think you're right. It's just a black Xbox <clears throat> one X. Um, the, cause the 2K21 is white, white with paint speckles. Yeah. Which I, I don't want don't to be wrong, special like it, that. It, I, it looks fine to me. I don't understand how it plays in the basketball. I don't either. I think um, that that's what it is more than anything. But yeah, so when we went to Target, I know we we peeked around the corner from the TV, just kind of looking around, and there was an NBA 2K19 Xbox One X sitting there in the shelf. There was the one, there was the only Xbox console that in that shelf at all. <laughs> every, they were wiped out of everything because it was right after the holidays, and they themselves were running really good deals. Um, but there, it was 250 uh, or 350 there instead of 250. So I ended up talking to an electronics associate and asked them if we could price match the GameStop online price. Uh, they ended up calling a manager and then they ended up actually giving it to me for 250. On top of that, the play, uh, the TV I was going to, I was going to get, I was actually on sale $50 from its normal price. So I walked out of target with a brand new 4k HDR TV and an Xbox one X for just a little bit over $500, which is the base cost of the Xbox one X. So I ended up saving quite a lot of money and getting an Xbox one X, um, but you may be asking, hey, Saul, we're, this is a PlayStation podcast. Why are we talking so much about Xbox? I didn't get my Xbox One X for any reason really prevalent to their exclusives or anything like that. I got it because it has amazing backwards compatibility. 
and the games pass on it's really really good so in in the past week and a half that i've had this thing i've downloaded fable one two and three the master chief collection with halo reach witcher three again fallout three fallout new vegas and then um fallout four on top of knights of the old republic one knights of the old republic two and outer worlds um and I really only paid like fifteen dollars for all that, or ten dollars, ten dollars, because that's the Republic one and two were five bucks a piece. That's what I was about to ask: is are the Kotor games on Games Pass? I didn't remember seeing them. That's no, why I was curious. Um, uh, but The Witcher being on there is one of the ones that I, as someone who recently bought one too, I'm more curious because I haven't played The Witcher three on PS4 Pro or Xbox One X, so I'm kind of curious to see what the updates for the 4K goes to yeah i haven't played it at all so, so just, it's curiosity more than anything yeah i really bought it as a games pass it's machine a great game as well slash backwards compatibility machine since there's so many games on there that are uh from the xbox and xbox 360 that i played either on xbox or ps2 or 360 so it's a really cool way to get into last gen's games for me uh and out of all those games i played kotor one for a little bit and I kind of had forgotten the main story hook of KOTOR 1 until I remembered it. I'm like, oh, well, this isn't really going to be meaningful when I play through it. So I actually started playing through KOTOR 2. Um, and I took a break from that and I started Outer Worlds. And I beat Outer Worlds, which was a fantastic game. Which is interesting. Did you do much side content at all? And the reason I ask is because you went from being on and it may have just been because of our breaks that we had yeah you went from i've started the outer worlds to i've beat the outer worlds and what seemed like I a played very it, short period i played of time. it a lot on friday night um i just didn't know if you essentially ran through the main story because the no, game can be beaten very quickly if you're if you're really own go- your only goal is to just do what the main story is essentially asking of you uh did you see the speed run that was like 10, 10 minutes or something something like, ridiculous yeah. 12 minutes or something I don't, it's it, ridiculous it may have been a little longer than I, that but it was I, really impressive i think my my time at the end was roughly around 25 ish hours uh i did a couple side quests as i came across them but i really wanted to get the story knocked out so that i could kind of shelf the game for now if i want if i needed to um, the only thing i have to ask and this is because it's specific to the game one of the things that they got I don't want to call it flack for, because that's not really the right, right word. One of the things that people wish that they would have been able to put into the game, despite its low budget and, of course, trying, or not, uh, modest budget. I won't say low budget, modest budget. Um, and, of course, small team working on it was uh, games that were specifically. Um, eh, I, I, anyway, games that were specifically going towards looking at uh, being. Uh, Greedfall is a good example. Tra- more traditional like uh, MMOs. And the reason I bring that up is that in that game, there are hints of other characters and your companions that are going towards relationship stuff. And you can actually help one character in particular, because I went through it, get into a relationship. But you yourself can't get into a relationship. It's kind of weird, but... And I only bring that up because Greedfall did have relationship stuff, which I kind of liked. It, in an RPG or role-playing game, it's nice to go, hey, if I choose to give my character a specific setup and the way he acts and everything, and I feel like that jives well with another character, then it's nice to want to see that payoff happen. Yeah, and I mean, that's 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 something that I really don't do a whole lot in, in those games anyways. Like, mm-hmm. I think you could technically marry, marry Serena in um, Skyrim, the vampire girl. 
Um, you are probably correct. But it's not something I ever really sought after, so I didn't even really try. Um, also, I played this game in a weird kind of mindset. Like, I literally went through the game as a bounty hunter mm-hmm. uh, who was, like, a loner. So, like, I did all the, the uh, uh, no companion perks and stuff like that. So, I didn't really ca- take Provarty with me or anybody else like that with Really? Me. Yeah. I played the entire game. Is that just the way you kind of prefer to play these types of games? Because the reason I find that one interesting is that... It's the first time I've ever played this game, or a game like that, except when I played Fallout 4. I did Fallout... The last time I fully played Fallout 4, which I think was the only time... I guess that's not weird. I normally did not use a companion in Skyrim until it came to the fact that I could use a companion to essentially offload inventory to them so I can carry more. That was like the only time that it came into my thing of, I'm going to have a companion. What is the main companion in Skyrim? I don't think the, there the is girl. A, a main one. There's the one that you get for being the Jarl. I mean, yeah, whatever the word is. I think that's what it is I'm thinking of. Um, I can't remember her name, but I, I mean, I know who she is. Yeah. Um, no, that the, those are typically NPCs like that that follow you around are typically annoying and get in the way. Um, now, I've never... It's weird that it specifically becomes to a person, which normally in other games, I don't know why I normally don't, because uh, Fallout 4 had companions in, as well, but really the only ones I ever used was the dog until he went missing for half the game, so, and then after I rolled credits, he just was sitting at the camp. Uh, that's yeah. See, I didn't even use the dog in Fallout 4. Yeah. Um, well, and see, I guess it could have called back to kind of what I loved about Fable 2. I really like the idea oh, yeah, of I having a dog. You do have a dog. And I, yeah, I actually played through the the, uh, the prologue of that game where you actually end up with the dog and, and stuff as you start out. But um, that game also looks fantastic, by the way, for having aged like 13 Fable years. Two? Yeah, or I'm 10 sure. years. Uh, did, I'm, I think it got the Xbox One X backwards compatibility. Enhancement? Yeah. I did not know that. Um, but... Yeah, like so, so I really enjoyed Outer Worlds enough that I was, I, I thought, you know, Fallout 4 is free. I'm going to try playing Fallout 4 with mod support. And since I have not done that on Xbox yet, and I was like, maybe, maybe enough time has elapsed in the time that I originally played it because I did not enjoy that game that much. Mm-hmm. Like, if I had to give it a rating one out of five, I'd give it like a two and a half to a three. Um, but I am enjoying it now with a couple of the mods I'm running. I realistically, the only mod that I ran that's that's changing anything at the core of the game is the new dialogue mod so that you can actually see everything that your character says instead of having just abbreviated sentences uh to select normally which is really a big pet peeve of mine so that really helps out a lot of immersion stuff but i added true storms which is some really cool weather stuff and i added a um uh, I can't think of what it's called. It has a cool name, but it, it adds a lot of greenery and, I noticed, and vegetation to the world. I notice in those games, and I understand the one for greenery and whatnot, but I, I notice in those games you tend to go towards weather systems almost immediately. That's one I remember most, whenever you first picked up um, Skyrim Skyrim for your Xbox when you still had the One S, I want to say. Yeah. Um, that you were that was like one of the main reasons you even bought the Xbox. It was like you wanted to play Skyrim with mods, but not have to worry about Before it on Before I had PC. my PC, yeah. Um, and that was... That was one of the things, too, that like anything that I could do to immerse myself further more and dialogue options help change that. So I can kind of prep of what my character is going to say the full sentence of instead of whatever the original game had. And then yeah. the weather systems make the world feel more alive. So does vegetation stuff. It makes the world feel prettier and more lived in because, like, let's be real. It's a it's an apocalypse. There's so many people in that world. The world should look more lived in than that, in a sense. Uh, it. Is it weird that in that game, I actually, I, I understand what you're saying, but I see the flip side of it, which, which is probably what the design team was thinking on top of the fact that that engine is just, it's I don't know great. why it doesn't, it, it, it may have been to not stress the engine further, but I think one of the things that typically comes up with post-apocalyptic games is the idea that it's 
post society. So you're really not going to see the lived in as much as you would in a time like us, where when you see lived in now, like I remember back in the PS3 days, one of the things I thought Killzone 2 did that was just a very, very weird choice when you think about it from a, is it, is it necessary to anything in particular? Not particularly, but when you were running around Helgen, uh, you're supposed to be on this enemy planet, right? And instead of making it completely lifeless, even though in some ways it really is, it's got it's got a, a ominous red cloud around it, and it looks so rough. And the story lore is that it shouldn't have been able for people to survive on it. But once the, um, how am I forgetting the, whatever? Uh, once the main group of people left the Helgens there, that's when they really became the Helgens. They left a group of miners there, and they survived. Uh, but when they're going through that on that game. There's the ability to see trash bags and whatnot that are all just kind of littered throughout the street. And that's kind of the first thing. It's like, okay, they're trying to kind of be like, people do live here in a civilized-like manner. Yeah. And part of the thing that comes with uh, society and civility in a weird sense is like, okay, well, when you have a civilization, it breeds up things like consumer goods, which breeds the need for packaging, which breeds the need for excessive trash. Fallout 3 did it really well, too. Where it and it's been a lot in. longer, but I, I do think I know what you mean. But anyway, in Killzone 2, you could shoot trash bags, and they would open up. And you could see the things that were in there. There'd be like to-go boxes and water bottles and all sorts of crazy stuff. And I and for the PS3, that was such an odd thing. That is weird. Definitely in a linear shooter that I always thought that was a cool idea because it kind of gave what you were talking about is the sense of lived in. But I guess in post-apocalyptic things, I always get the idea of like, well, this is after the apocalypse uh, there really isn't the same idea of product, so there's less packaging, so there's less waste and trash that normally gives you the feeling of like, oh, humans were here well, see, in a modern day. The problem with Fallout 4 that is kind of different than Fallout 3 is that in Fallout 4, it is a post-apocalyptic, which in your mind you should think, okay, there's not many people left. It's kind of a wasteland out there, which is what it touts, you know, nuclear wasteland. But yeah, clearly there's yeah, a lot any, of people. Well, anytime you go to a city, it's very heavily populated. But then when you're traveling to the city, it's just bland. There's not a whole lot out in between. Fallout 3 actually did it right where there was um, all kinds of... There's mutant camps in Fallout 4. There's There, there felt like there was more stuff like mm -hmm, that in Fallout mm -hmm. 3. Um, but I'm, I'm going to deep dive into the mods here in a little bit when I get done grocery shopping. And I'm going to kind of see what I could help do to enhancement. Because the story for the game was cool, albeit a lot of... It's very very predictable. Um, but for I thought... Four? Yeah. Yeah. I thought the story was cool. It's the, okay. Uh, it's a very similar story to three, but at, at the same time, it's kind of different. I think that's why it felt predictable. See, to me, it didn't feel predictable. Or to me, I, I, I did predict what it was. But the thing is, is I didn't, I, I call that a crazy prediction because it's very similar. You lost your son. You have to go find him. And, and, and it's the exact opposite uh, in Fallout 4 or 3. You lost your dad. You got to go find him. Um, I expected the son to be, uh, you know, held heck a hostage somewhere or something he's gonna move into a settlement that i make or something like that but then i thought well what if what if that uh this is not my son that i am going to find and i'm going to find someone who is older than i am uh, and they even hint to that with it being cryotechnology that i fell back asleep after um kellogg came in and killed nora whatever it made <laughs> it, it made sense yeah so it's it's just one of those things that where the game did this thing that I don't like in RPGs and it forces you to be the chosen one. So you it, it almost for story writing reasons you cannot have another narrative without it making sense. Is it weird that I've never thought about this until now? But if you choose to be the the male protagonist in Fallout Four, your wife is killed in suspended sleep 
and her name is Nora, which is so Mister Freeze that I I don't know I've never oh, thought wow, of that yes. before. I didn't think about. I that. wonder if that was on purpose. Probably so. Uh, I would. That's think why so. I laughed a second ago. It's like, huh? I forget about that. Yeah, that is interesting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's just one of those that I'm giving a second chance after so long, and maybe the help of mods will help me enjoy it. Um, I hope so too, because my thing that I always mentioned about Far, uh, Fallout Four uh, is that it just was kind of unremarkable, and I do think yeah. a lot of that came from the fact that love it or hate it, regardless of where you stand on it. The Witcher 3 at least did something that felt like it drove stuff into the next gen uh, of like, this is a next gen RPG to me, whereas everything about Fallout 4 felt like a slight, like a, a slightly prettier PS3 game. Kind of, sort of, yeah. Like the, the color palette for that game is really bland too, but. Which is weird because it tries to contrast a lot of its blandness with like the super bright Vault Hunter thing. And I've never felt like that made sense. It kind of does. Like it doesn't look right because when you look at a game that has like, that uses a tonage, like when you look at Fallout 3 and Fallout, green. well, Fallout 3 for sure, it uses that really green tone across and everything. Fallout New Vegas is red. Yeah. And it, it's kind of. I will say that the game looks better than what I thought or what I remembered it looking. Did I, it get any kind of patches? Because you know I, it was I, one of the best-selling games of this gen. I don't know. I, I would assume being. so. Um, the game, I remember th- remember thinking, like, this game looks dull. And, I, and, I, and yesterday when I was playing it, I was, I was sitting there kind of thinking, like, dang, you know, this game looks more vivid and more colorful than I remember. But if you look right here, look at that. It's just all one color. I mean, you're, the people viewing it aren't really going to see. Well, and there's a really bad, and this is actually true in the game, there's a really bad fog effect. That I never quite. Understood. I actually, I don't. I don't know if that's still in the game, or if maybe one of my weather system mods removed that. Removed it, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's very much more of a of a colorful game, and it could just be that I remembered it wrongly. But anyways, um, other than that, though, I did play more Slay the Spire as always. That, that's going to be <laughs> something I'll probably be playing for quite a while. Still haven't started it. I've been addicted to Need for Speed Heat, man. I beat Yucky. it. I, 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 hey, say what you will. I've really enjoyed the game. If it, if I it goes it. on EA, or I'm not going to get EA Access, but if it ever goes on Games Pass, which I doubt, because it'll go on EA Access first. Yeah. Then I'll try it, but I'm probably not going to try it. I mean, I'm, and I, I don't expect you to. I don't really know where you stand on your wanting of, of little nice street racers, considering there used to be so many of them. Like when I was playing, I was like, man, I remember back in like the PS2 days where there was Juiced and all these different... Midnight Club. Yeah, and, Midnight and Club was running Speed Underground 2. It just feels like racing games have really you, taken a huge And then you had... Uh, since late... Well, I'd say since around 2010, 2011 of uh, the PS3, part of the thing that happened with that is Need for Speed themselves tried doing this thing of having multiple teams releasing a game Yearly, sometimes two Need for and Speed games all yearly. Terrible. I think Carbon was the last one I fully played through. Carbon was fantastic. I, I love Carbon. It. Yeah, uh, Undercover was their first t- chance at trying to come back to the idea of like a Carbon Street Racer version, yeah, no. and it was mixed. Uh, and and then of course you know we got to where we are with the with the modern reboot. Which I will say this: I think of all the Need for Speed games, if I want to bring this back to what people call the the, the heyday of Need for Speed, when you're dealing in the uh, uh, you know most wanted Carbon Underground Two kind of stretch of stuff which is really underground to most wanted in carbon but yeah uh, when you go to that time period the one thing that really held true across the board was always the fact that it was like okay it's all it's really street racing influenced and heavily influenced by like the the more urbanized designs of like the street racing car setup and it had cops and it had cop corruption and all sorts of weird stuff that kind of 
tied into the story. And they, you can tell that with 2015, they tried to harken back just to the street racing thing. And I think that they did a great job with that game as a first setup. Payback was a little bit weird. It tried tapping into this Fast and Furious thing, which I think was a little bit of a miss in terms of what I think people really loved about the series in its heyday. But this game goes back to the idea of like, okay, it's mainly about what street racing comes from, and it would make sense that in a city that has sanctioned races for the daytime, that there are going to be people that want more and decide to carry that into the nighttime where it's considered like illicit racing. And I like that idea because it kind of comes down to the thing of, um, by the way, the TV is bedroom. I don't know if you saw that or not. Uh, oh, so I can cast to it. Yeah, you should be able to. But anyway, whenever it comes down to... Yeah, I'll take care of it. You keep talking. Oh, thanks. <laughs> uh, anyway, whenever we're doing it, uh, when you're playing through it, I like the idea that it goes back to that because it comes down to the idea of, like, okay, it's cops and cops corruptions and, and in this particular one and how that ties into the street racing and stuff. And But more importantly, the game is just fun. I still think that the biggest thing that I can give them credit for, despite the fact that they've been struggling in some ways for how – I mean, they still are doing better than the series was at its, at its lowest points, which I think was like Need for Speed Run. Do you remember Need for Speed Run? Is it a mobile game? No. Need for Speed Run was a game for the 360 and PS3 that was the first time a Need for Speed game let you get out of the car and walk around in certain areas. It it wasn't like a Grand Theft Auto or something like that. It was more that the game had built-in scripted sections that were made for your character to get out and you can control an actual character in these in-between moments. And it was a huge miss uh, that this did not end up working the way I think a lot of people would have liked. So anyway, this game goes back to what I think is most of the good stuff, and I really hope that what comes alongside that is an idea of holding with this and kind of doing a sequel. They haven't done a sequel yet, uh, whereas most Wanted and Carbon are direct sequels to each other. This game, I, I feel like, that. sets up a... Oh yeah, dude, the beginning of Carbon, you're playing, you're riding in the BMW from the end of Most Wanted. See, I, I, I maybe even forgot that. And you're on the run from Cross, that. was his name. Speaking of which, they mentioned Cross in Payback as a, like, a, he, he's... Dead? I think that there's a voice recording of him, uh, which was just a cool tieback to that. Uh, but anyway, my point being is that this story sets up for a cool idea of kind of sequelizing off of this with the story that it sets up. And I think that there's a good way to go about doing that since this game does a lot to try and mention other places. Uh, it mentions Ventura Bay, which Ventura Bay was the 2015 setting uh, for Need for Speed. I remember you telling me that now. So anyway, I, I think it's a great idea. I've been loving that game. I, I tried playing some other stuff red dead redemption i'm still trying to go through and play it with the one x enhancements it's not holding my attention nearly as well as uh, as two and i think a lot of that comes down to what i consider to be stilted gameplay uh it's a problem i've had with rockstar for a long time i think it's exacerbated um based on the age of it which i i don't think is anything necessarily to the the age part is not to the game's detriment i mean it game times pass and what you get used to changes uh, i'm still going to try and play more of it I did pick up Smash Brothers, and I'm trying to unlock characters on that so I can play with uh, some buddies over in the Discord, which, by the way, if you want to join us in some day-to-day moment-to-moment talks, head over to our Discord. We have links down in the description. I do below. not have Smash Brothers, Kiki. I forgot to tell you that. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, uh, but I anyway, that. Um, moving along from that, that's about all I've really played uh, besides uh, a little bit more of Octopath Traveler. So I've been playing my Switch a little bit, but it's been almost primarily me going through. I've, like I said, I've beaten Need for Speed Heat. Now I'm just doing what I always do, which is going through and trying to platinum the games. Uh, th- that game is really good at this one more race thing for me in particular. I don't really understand it. 
if it's not one more race, it's one more activity. You know, in the open world, they have the thing where there's speed traps that you got to try and race through, and and they'll be in weird spots, so you got to try and maneuver around and keep your speed up. Uh, and the other night, I didn't go to bed until four o'clock from a mixture of playing that game and then I saw with like I got I like yeah it was Friday night because I hopped on Discord yesterday morning when I woke up at like five fifteen AM or something. Yeah. And it said like it like I, I was I always hop in Discord I'll wake up and I forgot what it was, but I remember it was you and it was like two it was like two hours ago. I'm like what is he doing? Yeah. I'm awake at five fifteen and he's he's still in Discord <laughs> at like three something. Yeah. But anyway, that's just kind of how it ended up happening. The game caught me and it's still keeping me going. It just is what it is. But anyway, with that said, I guess we can go ahead and move over into our community's take section, which, based off of our last episode, if you didn't get a chance to check it out yet, and for some reason you're watching this one first, was um, the, the question ended up being around the fact that the last episode for us was our game of the year for 2019, which we like to do as our last episode every time of the year. And it became a question of, hey, going into this new year, what do you think from what we've seen in the games that you know that are coming so far? Let you know, we there's plenty of games that have not been announced, um, surely, uh, that are going to come out this year. Of course, with the new systems as well. Uh, but what do you think your game of the year is going to be? And uh, <clears throat> excuse me, quite a lot of responses, and a lot of them were ones I expected. Uh, Blake over on uh, Discord said, Doom Eternal, most likely. I could see Cyberpunk as well, as long as it lives up to the hype, which is something we'll talk about in a little bit as well. Uh, Mr. Atlas Unchained, one of our patrons and good friends, he says, gonna have to say Doom as well, Final Fantasy VII Remake maybe, but I still have a lot of questions. One of the things I noticed in here a lot is that there is a very weird opinion on whether or not remakes should be considered for Game of the Year awards. And I saw that as well a remake in, should a in, remaster shouldn't i agree with that sentiment as well because there was a lot of people that said that resident evil 2 being a remake shouldn't and i guess i do got to give it to them that resident evil 2 was trying to be more true to the original than final fantasy 7 remake is mm -hmm. but it still feels like there's a lot of changes that went into it i feel like it's worthy to be like hey it can still be a game of the year but i get it. it's a weird area uh, josh Ayers, another one of our patrons said it will be a dead heat between final fantasy 7 and resident evil 3 both my favorite franchises and some of my top tier games in the franchises so interestingly enough josh's are both remakes uh, i think that's, a, that's a pretty cool uh SJD Swanland, another one of our patrons, says, I don't think either will live up to expectations. I think cyber, uh, Cyberpunk will, though. And I think he's specifically responding to Josh there, talking about Final Fantasy VII and Resident Evil Three. Um, so interesting, for sure. Um, let's see. Going over and see if we've got any more that are interesting on there. We have... A lot of cyberpunk, and, and there was a lot of discussion based around cyberpunk in there. Uh, so we're going to flip over real quick to Twitter and see what the people over on Twitter said. Arthur Shelby on Twitter said that that's a tough question. Most people guesses are probably going to be cyberpunk, but I'm going to go with a dark horse and say either Dreams or Elden Ring. Which I loved yeah, that he went Dreams, that way. Elden Ring is one of mine, and we'll talk about that later. Um, but yeah, Dreams is, is, is one we haven't seen often. At all. The thing about dreams that I think is quite interesting around all that is that, and we, we went to a discussion on there. Dreams is a really, the little big planet games because of their play create share did win their, their fair share of uh, game of the year awards uh, across the, the life of the franchise. Um, and I think a lot of it comes down to just how unique the games are. And I think sometimes Nintendo games will occasionally win those because of the fact that they do something that's a little different. Yeah. And it's like an unexpected charm. But 
I do think that it's interesting that you would put a game into the game of the year category solely on the fact that you are excited to see what other people can make within the game. It's a very, it's a paradigm shift on once. It's like it normally is. you put a game in for its own direct merits, which is more like, oh, okay, here we are with this. And you're seeing, okay, this direct game did something that I loved. Instead, you're going, this game provided tools to a group of people to make something that I loved. Yeah. And because of that, the game deserves its, its game of the year thing. Um, it's it's interesting, and I think that that same thing was true of when the times that Little Big Planet won uh, Game of the Years for people too. the The campaigns for Little Big Planet games are incredibly fun. Yeah, but it's weird because it's it's the. I get, don't think that that's why they win Game of the Year. It's because of the experience you had with them, not the game itself. Yeah, which is really weird. It's it's like it, it transcends the game into something else. It's more about well, I mean, it, it's it's based around the game. Yeah, but it's almost more like. It goes back to what we were talking about with like sometimes you have favorite memories that are based off of very odd things. And I think it's sometimes what you end up loving about a game and why it becomes the game of the year is like you talked about, you said it's the experience with the game. I think it's about the experience the game can create even in the even in the outside world. Yeah. So like I think a lot of people ended up really loving um Zelda Breath of the Wild because it gave them a palpable sense of like, oh, when you're playing it, you have this feeling of, oh, and it, it didn't hit me the same way, but I understand it for many people of like exploration and weird and excitement. Freedom, I from guess. Freedom. And then the ability to do what games used to do, which is where you talk about it and kind of go to the point of like, you all played the same game. And I think that this is part of what made Skyrim so big as well. You're all playing the same game, but since the game lets you do so many different things and in so many different orders, you have this discussion where it feels like every discussion around the game is like mystical. It's like, what? You can do that? And it's very, like, you'll occasionally get someone who's like, oh, yeah, I did that too, at least in the very early days. But there's a lot of times in Zelda where I think, and in and, and Skyrim as well, where it's like, oh, you did something that was so unexpected and out of the blue and different. And it's like, oh, that's cool. I wonder if I can go do that. And yeah. it creates a discussion around the game. And that goes back to like Little Big Planet. The basketball mini game was just like it made a fun moment outside of it. And I thought that that was really cool. So there goes that Need for Speed Heat back there on that TV. Beautiful. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's see. Was that, was there any more on Twitter? Oh, there's a couple on Twitter that were really interesting. Yeah, throw uh, a couple out real quick because I think that this is uh, these are all interesting. Our good buddy Jason says Cyberpunk again, but he also throws in Resident Evil 3. He says, The Witcher is my favorite game of all time, hands down. I'm hoping that Cyberpunk delivers in every way, shape, and form that The Witcher did and more. So we're getting a lot of Cyberpunk in there, which is one of mine as well. Um, our good buddy Sean, no fate. He says, The Last of Us Part 2. Resident Evil 3 and Cyberpunk. Uh, he actually says... It's a good Last trifecta. Of Us, yeah. Last of Us 2, Cyberpunk, and Resident Evil 3 in that order. So Resident Evil 3 being his third, and then, of course, Cyberpunk 2, and then Last of Us 1. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, and then Sean Horn, he says Final Fantasy VII Remake, which is good. Um, I think that's one of mine, too. Not quite up there on the list compared to the rest, but well, it's up there. I've been so confused on where you stand. I'm not going to say confused. I've been kind of like, I wonder where Saul's real excitement lies, because it's like I'm all of your excitement is met with just as much questioning. Yeah, like I'm excited, but I'm excited for it like I was excited bringing home my new TV. Like, hey, this is really, really cool. I'm going to be able to use this for to some great extent. And then... It's kind of more so like the enjoyment will come out of it itself, but then the idea of it, I'm already like burnt out on in a way. Okay. The idea of Final Fantasy VII Remake is burnt out on. I know I'll enjoy it when it gets here, but I'm not 
as excited for. I'm way more excited for Cyberpunk. I'm way more excited for Elden Ring. I'm way more excited for Animal Crossing <laughs> than Final Fantasy VII. Um, Ryan, our good buddy Ryan, um, Skinny Rage, Slayer GT, known by many monikers, Ryanthian. Wait, no. Ry- 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 what was it, Ryan? <laughs> What was it? The, Ryan Bays. <laughs> Just go off of that. No, this is Ryan. This is Ryan GT. I know that, but I'm saying that's the other one. Is Ryan? No, Bays. but what did he? He had one. Ryanthian. Or okay for Monster Hunter. Yeah. No, that was. I don't even know. <laughs> We're getting lost in some woods that don't matter. We did. For this. He he threw a real big screwball and said Gran Turismo Seven, which that's that's a big hope, sir. He actually was wanting it to be a PS5 launch game, which would be kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we'll go ahead and throw out one more. It's our good buddy Shadow. He says, Last of Us or Cyberpunk 2077. He ends that sentiment with something I agree with, saying there's going to be a lot of good games this year. There is. And, you know, there was another sentiment that was happening at the end, with this last year, which is kind of whether people could agree on whether last year was a, a was a good year for games or not. And I think it undoubtedly was. It was just a different year for I games. I think it was, but I think there was. I think that when a game came out, it was triumphant. But then right after the game window, whether it was you beating the game or the game died out of media, it became very dull. Every moment that wasn't filled with the game launch was dull last year. The, or, yeah, that's why I like having a lot of fun with my Xbox because I'm playing things that are old because there's not anything out right now. Like, I'm playing Slay the Spire. That's an old game. Every other game I've played this week is old except Outer Worlds, I guess. It's kind of new. Yeah, the Outer Worlds is... Relatively. Because everything is so dull right now. I actually picked up Madden 2020 um, with a with a GameStop gift card I got and uh, got me one of them PSN cards, and they weren't too happy about it because I walked in there, and our good buddy that doesn't work there anymore uh, wasn't there, obviously, and I'm kind of sad. I got the same experience that I always try to get, and I just very blankly said, I don't buy digital, or I don't buy physical anymore. I just buy digital. And they're like, oh, well, you could you could pre-order this, and then you get this with it, and this digital that goes with it. I said, no, I don't buy digital CDs. My PlayStation won't play them. And I just was already sick of it. Like I was like, this is the last time I'm going in here, because I, only because I have a, a, a gift card. Did you want to go? That's a shame. You know, it really is. Uh, over on Facebook, Mr. Rohit. Yeah, I really wish I knew how to say his last name. I know I'm going to butcher it, but it's uh, Mukherjee or something like that. Uh, I would say Last of Us 2 will be my game of the year, but there are so many great games coming out this year, it's going to be hard to choose. Uh, One thing I will mention is, dude, for the last year of a console cycle, I feel like this last year is so jam-packed with such big games in comparison to the last year of the PS3 and 360. Not to say that there were no games, but it feels like there's so many didn't the last of us come out the last year of the ps3 yeah okay i couldn't remember that or not yeah the last of us beyond two souls which whether or not you consider that a big game and whether you enjoyed it it's a big thing but it's hard to remember very many other huge i mean there was like assassin's creed of course because they were coming out left and right uh but call of duty ghost came out that year which was really not that big of a game and it's also a yearly game so it's hard to want to put and at the time i think assassin's creed was still yearly yeah so you get to that point where it's hard to want to put those in whereas almost everything we have coming up at the beginning of this year is either a new game or based around a new IP, at least as far as games go, like Cyberpunk. Uh, there are plenty of remakes or two. Of course, you have Final Fantasy VII Remake and Resident Evil 3 Remake, but you also have The Last of Us Part Two, which is a sequel to a huge game. It just feels like it's not you're not getting smacked with nothing but yearly releases. These are all really big games that have been anticipated for a long time. 
course, we have Ghost of Tsushima, another long anticipated game, but is also a new IP that's coming. It just seems like a really wild time. It is. And what's even crazier is that how spread out it kind of is, too. Um, the well, first of the years jam packed. Yeah, the first of the but years. But then when it gets into much. summer, we have Last of Us. But then after summer, Ghost got a. Well, we don't have a release date for Ghost Rod, or is I it? I don't think so. Still, yeah. okay. Um, I think they just said summer. Okay, so then we'll, we'll get Ghost and The Last of Us in summer, but we're going to hit that lull again that we did this year. It seems. Uh, well, granted, the PS5 will, about will say, be out. Don't you need a little bit of a lull coming into the PS5? Just like just a little. Doesn't that somehow not now with backwards I, I don't compatibility? Know. Because well, even then, what I mean by that is. It, excitement but you're right backwards compatibility will drive people and to speaking buy it of backwards regardless. compatibility let's say final fantasy 7 has three discs or three game parts like the original oh you're saying like since the original was three discs they remake it into three parts because they're because they're doing so so much weird weird stuff by adding in i saw a thing leak about yeah. it don't go look at those oh i know uh because the first the first thing of the leak was like this is actually new stuff in the game that yeah. is never seen before new i'm like lore, no story i'm like out of here but uh so real quick on that too just re- so you guys know there's been a long talk about a, a, a demo for final fantasy 7 remake and it just hasn't come to light just yet it, i don't know if it's but going to this now this leak the, this information was data mined from the demo so Dude, people people were pissed off at sony for that like uh, my, this is the second thing nomura has leaked like this and it pissed a lot of people off they because everybody felt bad for nomura mm-hmm. kingdom hearts 3 now this yeah, sure. Um, but what I will say is I'm kind of skeptical. Is part two or three going to be out on PS5? Or is this all going to be a PS4 series that is no, new? They've already said that, that the game and the engine are prepped for next gen. Like everything they have going. And they're making this game have higher resolution assets so that when it plays on next gen consoles. On PS5. Yeah, okay. essentially. And it, it wasn't clear if they're saying that within the disc, if you just play it on PS5, it recognizes and it goes up. I think it's more of either the potential for a remaster or the potential for a I patch. Hope, I hope. It's probably a potential for a patch. It better be a patch, yeah. If they spent this long on this game and then they want you to buy it better version of it like a year and a half later no i mean from a business standpoint that seems like some crap that they do but at the same time i think that they understand uh, when you're trying to do this backwards compatibility opens up a lot of weird doors with this because it makes you wonder if your save is going to com- be compatible and carry over in a mass effect style situation that'd be cool or not i mean it should i mean uh, technically i mean well the, well unless they change up something that drastic well it makes it weird because now you have multiple climaxes and you know normally in a game that does like a trilogy and if this is, ends up being its own trilogy normally in those games like god of war one of the things that used to happen in game design is at the beginning of every game you lose all your powers or for some reason if you retain the pr- protagonist you restart you don't have all the equipment that you had at the end of the last one because how could you it doesn't carry your save over well, I'm curious but if they, they do that then it comes up well how do you set up levels if you were level 99 in the first game you your save bringing you over you wouldn't want to be level that's 99. something that is interesting yeah i didn't think about that it creates issues because it's an rpg in, in a more t- in a more traditional sense with the way that leveling and stuff works and it's a little more based around that i mean it's like i said it's a hard thing to think about because of how much it's driven into each other and why how would you carry over yeah. some games subvert that by being like darksiders every darksiders you play as a different character so starting over from scratch doesn't feel wrong because it's like i've never played as this character well one thing i'm kind of curious about is what they said and i'm going to be very uh tiptoe around spoilers for everybody but where this game is ending in the original game there is a little bit of a climax there but it's not something you would end on but do you know what I'm talking about? I think so. Yeah. Okay. It's kind of weird. Like, uh, it's weird how they're going to see, like, if we're going to see the changes to these climaxes, are they going to be done differently? Probably. More epically or, yeah. 
I, I'm curious because like it's like whenever they said Harry Potter was going to be multiple endings or multiple parts for the last one. How where do they choose to end it is 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 as important as where they choose to begin it in the next part in a way. Sure. Yeah. They, there's like literally right then and there you could choose wrong and it just feel pacing feel terrible or something. Yeah. Sure. Hey, you're definitely right. Uh, a couple more over here on Facebook, and then we'll get moving along. Mr. Matthew Green says, Iron Man VR, if motion sickness does not kick in, I would have said Final Fantasy, but remakes shouldn't be in contention for Game of the Year, which, again, is a sentiment I've seen often. Um, Mr. Danny Candyman, which, if I'm not mistaken, is now a uh, a uh, patron. So he says, hands down, got to give it to Neo 2. Love the first one and the beta in November shows. I'm going to enjoy it a lot. It's a great uh, I think that, that one's interesting. Uh, Mr. Josh Drago says Dragon Ball Z Kakarot uh, all the way, which I still hate that name. Such a bad name. It is, um, but it tells you the story of Kakarot. So. Yep. Mr. Vincent Hull says Cyberpunk, as long as it lives up to the hype, which is another thing. is that, And we'll talk about that in a little bit when it comes to the prediction stuff that I kind of want to talk about. But Cyberpunk and the words of as long as it lives up to the hype are getting uh, mentioned a lot. And then one last one, Mr. Rob Henry uh, over, he has his own podcast, Void Point, go check it out. Uh, and Or Warp Point, sorry. And go check that out. He says Cyberpunk or The Last of Us 2. Um, so a lot of big games, but I noticed a lot of them are based around games that we're seeing in the first half of the year because that's most of what we have information on, where it seems like the latter half of the year is dark because there's new consoles and a lot of stuff to expect around that. So anyway, appreciate all you guys' input on that. I like, yes. I, I, I understand why we come on that, and I actually don't disagree. I do think a lot of the games that are going to be in contention for Game of the Year are games that are going to release in the first part of the year that we know about. I'm surprised nobody mentioned Ghost. Uh and I don't know if it's because Ghost is still kind of a mystery to a lot of people, and it's just based off of how much you know, it's hard to want to quantize it. I th- but at the same, or anyway, at the same time, I think when you look at it, I don't know if that says a lot about how Sucker Punch is still a little less spoke of in the same regard as the as Naughty Dog and uh, of course CD Projekt Red because of the fact. I, I find that one weird because I think that for the most part, Sucker Punch have really proved themselves. Yeah. But I I wonder if the negativity from the Game Awards trailer fiasco is kind of in on that too. Where I, 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 don't know. I saw I a couple comments between Reddit and Twitter, uh, which hold really no weight, but I, I saw a couple of them saying about how stupid that was and how it kind of dampened their excitement for it because it was it was almost a gotcha thing between the state of play and before the Game Awards. And for yeah. those that don't know, they showed a teaser at the state of play and then they said watch the game wars for the full trailer and it's like it, i could see to me it was it, it was kind of dumb but it didn't really like hurt my feelings or affect me personally at all um more so it's it's kind of what's in that same boat with the last of us and final fantasy 7 is that we still haven't had a solid release date yet i'm just got i'm getting sick of seeing these games and not being able to play them is my sure. thing i guess that's a good description of, of me with final fantasy 7 i'm getting sick of seeing it i just won't play it <laughs> let me play the game yeah yeah. Uh, and I, I mean, I understand that. That's obviously, it's not surprising to me, I guess is what I should say. But you get to this point of where with all the stuff going on, I, I would hope that Sucker Punch's name, based off of how I feel about them and how I feel like they've proven themselves, something as simple as a, as a marketing move from a trailer shouldn't breed that much negativity around a game. So, I don't know. Maybe it's it. maybe it's that ghost. I mean, I hear a lot of people talk about ghost in a positive way. Uh, I just think it's interesting. Maybe it's because it's, it's still the thing that you're seeing about less and hearing about less, so it's almost like... Um, 
the more you see something, the more likely you are to want to talk about it. Cause it's kind of like how much they can put it in your face. It's like, okay, well this is more imminent. It's coming more quickly. And, and it's got hype around it for being a series. The last of us is trying to follow up on something that was amazing. Cyberpunk is trying to build off of what CD project red did with the Witcher. So there's all expectations building in this based off of other things. Whereas as much as I know a lot of people love infamous, Ghost of Tsushima exists as not only a new IP, but a new IP from a developer that their last game didn't necessarily catch fire the same way as The Last of Us and The Witcher 3 both unexpectedly did. And I have heard good reasons for that. Similar to what you said when the game kind of launched. Or was it Seth that didn't like the game at launch? Well, which one? Uh, um, Infamous? Infamous Second Son. Seth loved the game. And I love it. It was I think in a lot of ways, I just think that it's not as good as Infamous 2 in the story and writing aspect gotcha. in particular. And that um, might be why a lot of people how certain off. mechanics play. But the, a lot of it's how mechanics play into writing. Yeah. Because when you have a mechanic that's based around uh, morality, they always have the, the choice mechanic around morality, your writing has to be strong about the reasons as to why you would choose either right. way. And I think that Second Son really faltered on having two black and white of reasons that just didn't feel like the motivation was there. It was kind of like, oh, you're going to choose the evil route. And the evil route is just somebody doing things just to be an, an asshole, essentially. Yeah. And then it was like, well, the good is just because you're going to be goody two-shoes. It's goody two-shoes. And it, it's almost like it was too altruistic in one way and then it's too plain chaotic in the other in a way that felt like, Okay, all the nuance that existed in Infamous 2's decisions, which was, hey, these are all decisions, but when you get to them, it's going to be a hard decision to make because you can clearly see an argument for both sides. Whereas in this game, it's like, oh, one person's just kind of going to be a jerk, and then the other one's just going to be a guy being overly good. It just felt like uh, flat riding. You know, for as much as people want to complain about, um, <clears throat> excuse me, but as much as people want to complain, about other games doing a thing where like Kratos, they always talk about in God of War one, two and three, the him being flatly written. I don't think that, I think that criticism is way too on one person when there's plenty of games that have very flat characters by nature of just what they're choosing to do. And they're flat by having no nuance and no, I call it personality texture. It's like, Oh, okay. So this guy is always good just for the sake of being good, which makes for very uninteresting characters. Yeah, I can see that what you mean. And then the bigger problem with that is how much that contrasts. Because did you play Second Son at all? Uh, a little bit. I think that you'd like really the first enjoy two hours. It. I, I I do think that you would. I really mean, I enjoyed enjoy what I played. I just I fell off of it. I um, think it, I think I played it because I really borrowed it from Seth when the when I first got the PS4. Yeah, of course, it was the time time around Bloodborne. Sure. So I was probably using that as a break from Bloodborne, and then I just got sucked into Bloodborne. Yeah, I could see that. The the graffiti thing was really cool holding the controller side. Yeah, from from a gimmick of trying to sell you on the controller stuff, they did a great job. Yeah. Uh, but more importantly, um, going into the what I was talking about is when you have a character like Delson, uh, and I think in some ways he could have been a really good character. I like a lot of his setup, but then when you make, when you have a character that has a lot of texture in the way that you're setting him up, like oh, he's somebody who's a little bit of an outcast from his situation, but he's still. From everything you've seen, it seems like he loves his family, and then you put in these situations where it seems like every decision he's making is not reflective of who they write outside of the moral moments. Like you, when you have a game that's so built around moral moments, you can't have the writing that that hits in there, uh, go and, and say, okay, we've built up this personality outside of the moral moments, but the moment we come to a moral thing, 
it never seems like one of these ties into who they are as a person. It just yeah. seems like it's one or the other. So it contrasts too much with who he is. Right. He's got so much layers about why he would feel certain ways. And then when you get to here, it's like you're not leveraging any of those to tie into these. And that turns Whereas the one and two both did. Yeah. One was a little more flat than two because it was an earlier game and trying to prove itself. But it still decided to go, hey, these are things we know about the character. And Cole in, in, in Infamous One was kind of more of a monotone, flat character, but they still chose to use parts of the personality they'd set up into why it would be hard to choose certain things. Yeah. And they did not do that, I think, to near as good of an extent as either of the two games in that one. But either way, I, I just hope Sucker Punch uh, with this game, I hope that this game gets the Last of Us one thing where it's a come up. It's in a way of Naughty Dog was already at top tier level, but The Last of Us was more of an unknown quantity for a lot of people, so when it came out and just really blew up, it was unexpected. Which brings, yeah. which brings me into how I want to come somewhat go into predictions for, uh, for 2020 across more than just games that are releasing, but also just the industry as a whole. And one of those predictions that we can kind of come into already is, and it's talked about a lot in here, I think, and we talked about it a little bit in Discord as well, but I think both The Last of Us 2 and cyberpunk are going to suffer from the fact that both of their predecessors, uh, one being a pre, uh, you know, uh, uh, the game before a sequel and one being the next game from a studio that caught wildfire after one thing, both of them are going to have the problem of even if they're fantastic and great games, if they are not perfect to what each individual person built up in their head, which is exactly what's going to happen. It's impossible mm -hmm. to be perfect for everybody. Uh, then these games are going to, Somewhat falter in the sense that when you have a game like The Last of Us that gets 10 out of 10s, uh, and a lot of 9 out of 10s, but a lot of 10 out of 10s, unexpectedly from a lot of people, where you play the game and they go, I, I don't know why, but since this wasn't part of something else, I don't, I, you didn't come into it expecting a 10 out of 10. But now that we've had that 10 out of 10, mm -hmm. The Last of Us 2 automatically on its shoulders carries the fact that it's an, it's an expected 10 out of 10 out of the gate. And when you think about Naughty Dog in particular, that was not true for a series like Uncharted. Uncharted 1 came out and a lot of people liked it and it was a good game and it was rated well, but then Uncharted 2 came out and it was like, okay, iteration served this game well, whereas The Last of Us came out and was already considered by many to be perfect. Yeah. So how do you make a game that's considered by many to be perfect? How do you follow up with that in a way that feels more perfect on top of the fact that Uncharted to Uncharted 2 to Uncharted 3 had the thing of only being two years apart each. The Last of Us to The Last of Us 2 has been six years? Seven. So, I mean, well, 2013 and 2000, yeah, seven, yeah. So, again, when you come in across that, that's you deal with that. You're dealing with a, with a developer who has got too much time on their hands. People have been thinking about what a Last of Us 2 would be to them since the first one wrapped. That's my problem. And you're building up seven years of hype. It's, that well, can never resolve. And Kingdom Hearts 3 faced the exact same problem. It's, it's, it's 12 years of hype being built up. For me, it's not even so much hype, but it's the direction that I want the story to go in, which I have no right since I'm not the storyteller. I'm not the one who wrote the story. Mm -hmm. But it's kind of like when you see, you know, Blade Runner was a good example. Also, kind of a cool tie into Cyberpunk, too. Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, Blade Runner 2 came out, or 2049 or 2048, whatever that was. I I haven't watched it. Um, I haven't watched it either, actually. But I, I've, I've never even seen the full of the first movie. But the so, one with uh, Ryan Gosling. Yeah. yeah. Um, but my thing is, is that people expected the story to go a certain way because it's kind of what they made up in their mind and, or they even thought they or they wanted the story to go a certain way and it didn't. And that's kind of how I feel with The Last of Us 2. I'm excited for it. I'm going to play it. 
I have a feeling that the story is going to go off on a direction that I don't want it to go off into, and it's going to be worse than the first one. Because of that. Because you've had seven years to brew on what you'd expect a sequel to eventually do. Not even that, but I do think that going off in a weird, like, into that direction, um, because, like, what you were saying is that the first one was a perfect game in a sense. It was. It did have that story that when you you wrote credits, it didn't feel extraordinary extraordinary by any means but it impacted you and it felt complete yeah whereas a lot of games you roll credits and you kind of feel like honestly, i see where there's more honestly i'm gonna say something controversial there shouldn't be a last of us 2 sequel well do you, i don't think there should be do and, you and remember if, and if there was i think it should be different people that goes into what i was about to say i don't know if you recall but back originally when people started loving the last of us 2 and there was a lot of talk neil Druckmann's kind of sentiment on it was um I don't know if we make a sequel, if we'll return to Joel and Ellie. It seems like it'd be better to come with new characters it been. because it's like, oh, you're exploring a world. And then he's talking about that there's a 20-year gap between the events of when the outbreak happened to when we play the first one. So even from there, you have 20 years in between that you can play with, with oh, yeah. anybody there's, you want to, and, let alone afterwards. And my, my thing is is that <clears throat> when when they carried on the same characters from this walk, this long it, it led them for more potential flaws in the story for some people like me. I I love the story that Joel had with Ellie. Well, it's all it's, it's expectation, and, yeah, and that becomes well, whether or not you enjoy people subverting expectation. It's, it's not which even, comes into the Star Wars Last Jedi thing. Well, it's not even expe- <laughs> but, it's not even expectation really. It's it's more so of um, you know it, 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 <clears throat> I can't think of a sequel or, or even a series where the main character dynamics opposite they flip. So whenever you go in, well, when you finish the first game and it's a story about Joel with Ellie, you're going to go into the second game with it being about Ellie, which is that chemistry there I'm going to miss. So automatically that that amazing story, and I'm not saying that it can't be matched to the first one, sure, because uh, it, it could be, and it, can, it very well possibly will be uh, for me. But um, you know, it, it, there's going to be a di- that dynamic there of that character that I'm like, well, this was Joel's story, now I'm as Ellie, but it's not as good as Joel's story. Therefore, it's a it's not as good of a game. That's what if I, it's not as good. I, well, I get what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, I'm talking about to me. This is thought processes of me. Well, yeah, but what you're saying essentially, I'm just making sure I'm understanding. Yeah, like your Joel's point, story was, is that if for any reason her story goes less than, if it takes a turn that you find to be bad, disappointing, yeah, or disappointing, then it immediately becomes now you're trying to compare it. Even if you try to base it off as one thing, as soon as it goes, well, it's not as good because it's not Joel's. They didn't do as good with this one as they did with Joel's story, so they should have just done another. With Joel or new characters? No, I, no, I don't think they should have gone back to Joel. They should. Well, I mean, I agree with I that. I don't that, think so. there should have been a sequel, but and especially not with them. I think their story ended fine. It wasn't really left on a cliffhanger at all. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that's the problem is that I I, I experienced the first game with the story of Joel in mind, and, and I experienced you know how he bonded with Ellie and their bond together. My thing is now that I really hope that Joel plays some kind of part of the story because I highly doubt it's gonna be playable in two. But I hope he plays as a motivation of some kind or something in the story of two, because to me that was where the magical story of that of that game came from. Yeah, it came from the very beginning of what happened in one, with going into why that bond with Ellie was so important and why everything felt amazing. Because we'll be honest, The Last of Us from a gameplay aspect didn't do a whole lot different than what was already out there. The the stealth aspect didn't do a whole lot. The crafting aspect, it did it all well, but it didn't do anything differently. The story didn't do anything differently. It was the characters 
in the story. Yeah, but I, I, and again, we talked about that recently when we yeah. were talking about the last, which uh, one of our patrons, Mr. Rude Cole, Sean, uh, he mentioned that he actually loved the gameplay too, and I did as well. Not because it was somehow doing something new. It's not it bad. Was, it's just not it was new. tying elements from a lot of different things in and just doing them very well alongside a very very expertly crafted story, in my opinion, or narrative, I should say, not story because story. T- t- goes almost too much to like, well, what are the story beats? And if you just hear the story beats, it doesn't sound remarkable. When, when you think of it as in the narrative whole, I think it is remarkable. Well, but uh, yeah. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it brought like the, the backpack camp mechanic where you're going through the backpack, but even though you're in the backpack, your game is not stopped. I yeah, love that. That, that, came, cool. that came from Alone in the Dark in the early PS3 games. I can't remember what it was called, Alone in the Dark something. Uh, but it was uh, one of the last, what is that? Was it Atari? That was still a developer. I mean, a publisher at that point. But anyway, it was one of the last ones of that, and that had a thing where you would open your jacket and you'd look at your stuff, and the game was still going around. Yeah. You. So again, it, yeah, you're right. It none of it was really un- well. None of it was new, but none of it. All was, of it was just well to me. Well, yeah, yeah, none of it was remarkable by any standards <clears throat> when you when you take apart the game. The story, in terms of the base of the story of what that game is, is not remarkable. It's the stuff that happened with the character interactions in the story that is what made it remarkable. I, I consider Especially the game to be a 10. The, I, the game's a 10 out of 10 because of the sum of its parts, in my opinion. But I think that most people view it through the lens of story first. I, I'm the opposite. I would say the game's a 10 out of 10 because of the experience it gave you trying to be stealthy, especially on the harder difficulties, being a true survival-style horror or thriller well, again, game. some of its parts. I mean, yeah. it's, it's everything about the game coming together to give you one whole experience. Yeah, and it's a 10 out of 10 from story for me because of the bonding between Ellie and Joel. That's sure. why I think that they shouldn't revisit these characters at all. They ended You've on already a perfected perfect it. note. Yeah. Don't go back to it. Um, but I already know what my game of the year is going to be this year. Do you <laughs> know what it is? Take a guess. Now it's it's a game that we already know is releasing and one hundred percent currently. Yeah. Okay. Let's see. A game that hasn't been showed off for the past seven years and drilled into the ground. It's Animal Crossing. <laughs> I truly think that Animal Crossing will be my game of the year. What a wild turn of events! A wild world turn of the events. Uh, anyway. Uh, I, I I don't know, man. Because I, I go back to like you know going back to that real quick though as a cyberpunk thing. It's like, dude, the the Witcher two was a a, a well received game, but it wasn't Witcher three level. And then what happened is, out of the blue, the Witcher became this overnight like. Essentially, for all intents and purposes, it became CD Projekt's Red uh, Grand Theft Auto. Well, and here's the and thing. What with- I mean by that is that you can't immediately even though it's a different game i'm excited to tell for cyberpunk but so many people are tying it based off of what the witcher 3 was and you can't they're not the same it's, thing it's, but it's i understand why it's so hard for people to separate those two because yeah. the same thing happens on the rockstar side of things people look at it and go, and yeah and and they make weird comparisons of or those, ping even pong though they're very different and auto <laughs> you forgot they made that didn't you yes i did um but yeah, uh, Cyberpunk, like, honestly, Animal Crossing will probably end up being a contender, like, if not my game of the year, because Animal Crossings are always the one of the biggest time sinks in the, in the game that I spend the most time with throughout the entire year, just due to the nature of it. Um, and my wife's getting it, so we're, I'm going to have some cool moments there. But I think that Cyberpunk would realistically be my end game of the year if anything in Animal Crossing falls flat. Okay, so this is what I'll kind of, this is what I'm more curious about. Uh, and I think we can both do this. Do you, just based off of the games you've seen so far, do you think that the game of the year for you is going to end up being game of the year because of one particular, like one particular element, like more gameplay or more story? Or do no. you think it's going to be how they, how they bridge together? I think it's going to be how they bridge it together. And even more importantly, the reason I say that is like, we both love Dead Cells, but Dead Cells really yeah. doesn't have a 
story. Yeah, and that's it, it's it, it's a game that you love so much on gameplay alone. It's like Slay the Spire. There really, yeah, there is a story, I'm sure, but it's probably so. It's very very small. I can as real. It's like in the yeah, and so it's not about that. It's about the gameplay pushing you forward. Yeah. Certain. And that's and that's you know the same goes for for Dead Cells and um, and Slay the Spire, and those games end up being some of our favorite games. Monster Hunter. And that, those game stories aren't, you know, grand on any means. It always doesn't have to be a grand story. I don't, I no, don't need a not. ten out of ten cinematic masterpiece for a game to be good. And I guess that's why I asked it: is do you think it's gonna? Do you think the game it ends up going to? Like, if you had to predict it, don't even think about it. By the end of the year, regardless of what comes out, are you more hopeful that the game of the year? For you, by the end of the year, is one that was a game of the year. If you let's split it up, if it had to be one or the other, do you hope it's more hinged on how great the gameplay was, or more hinged on how great the story was? Do See, you have a hope? that's a tough choice because even then, for me, if if Last of Us does their story in a way that is it hits it on the head just like the first one did, then no contender, Last of Us. The same kind of goes for Final Fantasy VII. If they hit the if they hit the story. Head like head on the nail. I doubt that one will be for me because it's I, I can't judge one out of three or four parts of a game and not play the rest. And I'm not gonna. I, I think that if anything, oh, one out of three parts of a game that you already know the well yeah, majority. Well, of the people are saying, oh, well, Final Fantasy VII can't count. It's not a re- it's a remake. Technically, it can't count because it's not done. Like it's not a completed game. You're 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 being left off with like a hundred plus more hours of a game that you don't have. So. If anything, Final Fantasy VII is that. But Cyberpunk, I think, I think with Last of Us, it's one and done. And I'll do the same as very similar to Last of Us 1, where I'll go back and I'll play it on grounded difficulty or whatever six months, a year later. Cyberpunk is probably like Outer Worlds. I'm going to finish it, and then like in a week or two weeks, I'm going to go back with a different build. I'm going to go back with a different mindset and immersion and story for my character and replay that again. That's where technically the... Uh, game of the year will come from from that. However, if the story does not really warrant a second playthrough, then it, then it, that game will fall flat. Because if the story is not good enough to get through again, or if it's if it's another kind of story that forces you to go through and there's not a lot of side content, then yeah. See, like Outer Worlds could have been a failure to me if the story main story wasn't even was was even half as good as it was. Because the replayability a lot from those games comes from the main story, with the side quest being supplement you get through the side quest in those games say skyrim you go through and you say i want to make a cool thief and then somewhere along the line he goes down a down a bad path and he becomes a, a, an assassin sure. so you go through this thieves guild and then say you're on your way to Windhelm or something and then someone tries to attack you and you kill them and then hey you know we get the we know handprint letter bam 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 boom we're gonna go to the dark brother now we're, we're gonna test out our assassin skills we know we're a good sneaker all through that you get that done what else is left might as well go to take this character and go through the main quest and make it make a reason on like I guess I'm Dragonborn now I'm gonna go handle this and then become whatever I want to by the end you end up inevitably going towards that motion because you run out of things to do if there is no reason in that if there's not strong side quest supplement in Cyberpunk as well as a story that's worth replaying even replaying ad nauseum not paying attention or anything then yeah if it's tedious at all then yeah it could very well fall flat. Final Fantasy VII is nowhere, nowhere near my continued yeah. list because I, it's not done. I, I, I will not put that on my list just solely based on the fact that it, that it's going to leave off at a cliffhanger. We know where it's going to leave off. We know how it's going to leave off. Well, some people part. do, but avoid leaks. If they've you already said where the game ends. I mean, they just said Midgar, but you don't know how how they're changing the story to do that. Well, yeah, but I'm saying like <sighs> if it's anything like the first game, we know 
the, yes, the, the sequence. Saying. That's what I was saying earlier, but the sequence on how it ends. But also say we know for the people that never played Final Fantasy Seven. Just well, throwing that out there. Anyways, I don't think that Final Fantasy Seven could be in that list because here's where it's going to make me mad. You finish up a really good movie and you're like, I'm going to watch that sequel right now. You watch the sequel. You get there, you watch a really, really good movie that ends on a cliffhanger and you don't know when that second movie is coming out. That's the difference. And then it could be at the end of the year, which still is too long. To me, this game, if they're going to do it, parts have the full con- have the full content ready and do it one month at a time or something. Something. Oh, I, don't, I disagree with that whole. And the reason I say that. Don't brace it out over the course of a year to maybe even two years to you, finish up the entirety of the game. Excuse me. Do you remember back when they first announced that it was going to be um, uh, a episodic game? And that was the word that they chose to use for some reason. And immediately they got a ton of backlash. And I, I, I don't think it was ever intended to be something they were, where they release a chunk every month or two. I would say three <clears> months, <throat> at least once a quarter. Say it's Say it's three. Uh, three parts or say four parts. We'll make it even four parts. Well, Once a quarter, what it still comes down to then is if they're making the game 40 hours each section, how can you expect them to make four? That's why I said quarter. You get three months to get through that game. Well, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about from the development team side. How do you, how do you make that much? You don't announce the game life? seven years prior to doing all this. I mean, then therefore when you say, Hey, you got part one coming out in January, you got part two coming out in May. Well, then, May. if you're making a whole game, then why not just re- why not put it all in one game? I guess that's what it comes down to. Because it I don't think like they a, realized what they were doing when they went into this. <laughs> that's probably true, actually. If I, when 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 I don't think that they when they when they but we could be wrong. They honestly going I, into I this, they could have had it. I doubt it too. But the whole the whole studio uh, changeover and having to restart base everything. Then yeah, that that right there tells me they weren't. Well, I guess I should ready. say that was also two years ago. I wonder if with the decision to bring it in house is the thing that pulled it back around but we've talked enough about final fantasy 7 um well anyway my game of the year currently i'm hoping hoping uh is cyberpunk just because there's something about a good rpg but that is going to rest a lot on what rpg elements they choose to include and a lot of that for me comes down to how much they want to they're doing well in some ways I, i don't mind making your own character as long as you let me make a character Part of what I think both of us loved about the Outer Worlds is that you're just a character. You're nobody in particular. You you were you just happen to be the one person that got woken up. It is so, weird though. I do have one little qualm about that game. Never saw your face. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. Which I, I don't know why you'd worry about making it. I don't. I, but see, typically though, with other games like that, you can make your character in Cyberpunk, and they've already announced that cutscenes are going to first person now. So if cutscenes are in first person, there's no need for. I you. thought they announced cutscenes are third person. Or there are going to be third-person cutscenes. Are you sure? I thought they did announce that. No, they flipped it. And then people will go, well, it's why still, do you have an in-depth character creator? And it, it does come down to, I never waste time well, on that because it does not matter what my character looks like. The problem with that, though, is that in Fallout, it makes sense because you can go third-person. There's no third-person Outer Worlds. Oh, yeah, I know. So that, that, that's what irks me. Is like Which is fine. Again, all it comes down to me is, why do I need to make a character definitely an RPG? And I know some people like this. But why do I need to make a character in a game that I'm going to cover his face with armor anyway? I mean, it's on YouTube, so I guess we're okay. (laughs) Oh, look, the white blurs of that. It's okay. It's all good. If you have children, do not let them watch that TV in the background. It is playing cyberpunk stuff with some very nudity. Ah, You you can't see that. (laughs) Probably not. Uh, Either way, listen, I'm not going to worry about it. But yeah, cyberpunk is is my top go-getter that's not Animal Crossing. And I don't really think Animal Crossing is going to disappoint me at all. There is a couple things that they could do, like Pocket Camp stuff. I was not a big fan of Pocket Camp. And that's mainly because it's just a mobile game. But 
yeah, I could spend 300 hours in Animal Crossing over the course of this year, and I'll be spending a lot of time with it with my wife. So we'll be going to each other worlds. Like one thing we did that was really fun we did on the 3DS version was play hide and go seek. So like I just run off and go hide somewhere in her village, and she has to come find me. Or I'll be just I'll just be mean and I'll start planting pitfalls everywhere or something. <laughs> like it, it's gonna be fun. Um, and it's one of those. It's perfect game playing on the couch. So it just relax and hang out and I don't have to worry about everything going on uh, with a, with a massive overarching story or anything. It's going to be the perfect getaway game from all these other big hitters that I'm going to be wearing headsets for like which or Witcher, Cyberpunk, Final Fantasy 7, Ghost, Last of Us, Resident Evil 3. Okay, so Cyberpunk for me and you think Cyberpunk for you but more probably Animal Crossing. Yeah. Okay, so from there, what I kind of wanted to do from the prediction thing, of course, one of them I made is that I think that both Cyberpunk and The Last of Us, regardless of how good they are, are going to fall short of expectation. Uh, so there's going to be, I, I don't know if I'll say controversy, but there's going to be internet heat around both of these games. There's going to be internet highly, heat around all three of these games. I highly predict. Uh, now, outside of that, one of the things I'm curious about, and I'm, if some of them are, I want to make bold ones because I think that they're interesting based off of the fact that I don't wholly believe all of them, but I think that there's such a chance that it's possible that it goes back. So we remember the Switch Pro rumor, right? One of the things I think may happen and I say may because I actually believe for a long time there would be a Switch Pro. Then when they came out with the light, I was like, okay, yeah, you make a light and then you make a Pro. It makes sense. And a lot of people thought that. And then what do they do? They ended up coming out and saying, hey, here's just a revision with better battery and all these different things of the normal Switch model. Yeah. So what ends up happening in that situation is I think for a lot of people became, oh, there's no way they'll make a Switch Pro. Where instead of looking at it like this, the Switch revision is essentially the closest you're going to get to the idea of a slim Switch. Uh, essentially coming in and revising it for different reasons yeah. uh, to put it out and let that one keep going. And that will be essentially the same as the PlayStation 4 Slim, which is not called the PS4 Slim. It's just a PS4. So it takes over well, that. Well, marketed that as, as, at launch before sure. they got rid of the base model. Sure, exactly. So what happens there is I still think... Because one of the problems that the Switch has, and this is this is a real weird thing about the Switch in particular, though. One of the problems I think that the Switch has, and it's a very small one, but it is there, and they've been able to somewhat subvert it here and there and go around these, this problem. Uh, they've been able to avoid it in certain areas, is that a lot of third-party games from the bigger publishers do not make it to the Switch because the games just can't run on it. And now some people go, well, they made The Witcher 3 run on it. Well, first of all, The Witcher 3 is from 2015. It's a very older game. And I don't know if you've seen it. It plays decently, but all of the cutscenes and stuff have got frame drops, frame tearing, or screen tearing. Uh, the audio for the entirety of the game sounds like it's through a can because it had to be compressed so much to fit on the cartridge. There's a lot of things that come into that that are really hard to contend with. So even though that game's huge in size, you start going around, you see some of these games. Bethesda have done good to support it, but plenty of games have not. And what I mean by that is that you don't see games like, uh, and not that it matters, but you wouldn't see, like if they came out with a new Mass Effect, it's not going to be on Switch. New Dragon Quest. Uh, or not, not Dragon Quest. New... Um, so that one will be on Switch. Yeah. Uh, God, what is the name of that series? How am I... Dragon Age. Uh, new Dragon Age won't be on Switch. Um, 
the new Elder Scrolls, even though Skyrim is on Switch, the Elder Scrolls just won't happen. So Starfield going, so won't happen. So you're going happen. for a Switch Pro prediction. Now, here's the thing. I do think Switch Pro might happen specifically. Now, here, the only thing I'm, I'm curious about is whether it happens in 2020 or the very first quarter of 2021. And the reason I bring that up is bringing it, going into the first quarter of 2021 and kind of following what they did with the original Switch launch would do two things for them. It would give time for the new consoles to come out. The Switch is still going to do fine this year. It just crossed 50 million sold. There are obviously no problems the thing that's going to happen is that the xbox one s or the xbox series x uh, god i already know that naming convention is going to bother me more but and the ps5 are going to come out they're going to get a lot of attention for being new and having backwards compatibility and bringing with it a host of uh, things that you'd appreciate while the switch is still going to have things like no netflix somehow magically uh and a lot of other things on top of the fact that there's going to be more third party uh, more reason for third parties to not make their game on switch because they're the switch becomes too low of a denominator. Yeah. You can't really cover it. So we've seen Nintendo do this in the past, and this is part of my prediction. The reason there'll be a Switch Pro, and the Switch Pro will have certain titles that only work on the Switch Pro. And as stupid as an idea as I think that is, we saw them do it with the 3DS, with new the 3DS. new 3DS. Yeah. They locked off part of the user base and said, hey, these games, uh, some games will play on both and will have enhancements on the new hardware. And then others will play only on the new hardware. Do you know why there's there's two rumors right now that, that cooperate what you're saying? The 64 gigabyte carts that are supposed yes. to be coming yeah. out. I didn't know the new carts are coming. Red Dead Redemption 2. Yeah. So it's, uh, well, even then, 64 gig cart, Red Dead Redemption 2 is a 100 gigabyte game. Oh, well, it has 4K textures and stuff in it. Well, it's a 100 gigabyte game on PlayStation that does not have 4K textures. Oh, it ain't going to have, I would doubt it is going to have. The Xbox One X version is bigger. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it is. Um, yeah, I doubt though that it's that, like 131 gigs. Like Red Dead Redemption 2 stripped down to like low settings. I'm pretty sure it'd fit under maybe. That but again, you come down to the thing of how audio much audio is in there. You're gonna have audio compression. But the reason I say this still going in, uh, it gives you it gives the Switch something new that goes against. It gives the people who love the Switch and want to keep playing one the ability to go to Switch Pro, uh, Pro play those games and then get third party support that they're gonna be missing out on otherwise. While also finally giving the Switch something where people who have 4K TVs, it's something that where they can finally play their Switch on their 4K TV and get the benefits. Now whether it's because it's doing something in native 4K, highly unlikely. Maybe for the occasional Nintendo game that's smaller in scale, like a Yoshi game, yeah. something like that could run in. 4k uh, but it, what we may see is essentially what the ps4 pro did and do games that are at 1400p and then upscaled or whatever uh are checkerboarded whatever there's a million things but i do think that we see that so that nintendo has a way to not only bring back some excitement toward the switch after the series x and the ps5 but also to keep up with games you have any wild announcement you want to make I do because i i think that that one's half and half but i do think we may see it as late as Q1 2021. Your leg is so pale compared to your arms. That oh, d- dude, it's massively. Dude, that doesn't even look like it. That, that looks like a dead person's <laughs> leg propped up. Uh, but yeah, my my rumor, I've said it once, I think, but Bluepoint is not working on a game. It's working on an emulation system. And it's working on an emulation system for PlayStation 1, 2, and 3. Would you think that they're maybe working on a game and an emulation system, and then they're throwing the tra- they're they're throwing the trail by mentioning a m- bunch of games? Probably but there still is one of those games that actually is getting remade. If I had to guess, they are probably working on Demon Souls, and they're going to announce an emulation system. And what they're going to do is say, play it on this system, thanks to our new system uh, on PS5, and they say, or Demon Souls remastered. Yeah, I think. My prediction, I'm going to bounce off of that, is that we will uh, we will see we will see Demon Souls um, announced, and that 
it's, it's, it's almost a two-part prediction. We're going to see Demon's Souls announced this year, a Demon's oh, Souls remake. Real, real then quick. my second prediction is that I it, it will either be a PS5 exclusive launch title, which I don't think is as likely, but it is possible, or it's going to be the first cross-gen game. I forgot Sony. Elden Ring could also be my game of the year too. I just got to see what it is because this is the first time a from and game assuming has it gone. still comes in yeah. 2020. Oh, I, I doubt it, it won't, but yeah. yeah. Uh, this is the first time we've seen a from game <clears throat> announced with nothing after it ever like this. Sure. But let's go get Wendy's. I'm hungry as well. I'm hungry. All right. We're let's take it on there, guys. Thank our patrons. Oh, yep. Hope you all enjoyed this episode. And speaking of our patrons. Uh, if you want to support the show and you like what we're doing over here, consider going over to Patreon and uh, it's patreon.com slash Nartech and seeing what we have to offer. And of course, we appreciate the support if you choose to do so, like many of you have. Like I said, also, we've had people who have uh, recently upped their pledges. So we really appreciate that. In this big year, one of the things I want to do this year is grow us even more. I want to get new people in this community. I want to do all the sorts of stuff. So I'm going to ask you right now, if you're watching this on YouTube, share the video. See to anybody you think may like it. Do it on social media, whatever you want. Uh, if you think... If if you have a friend that you think would like it and does podcast services, uh, it just, it, hey, recommend us. See if they end up liking us. Uh, and, of course, last but not least, we can wrap this show up. Our patrons. Thank our patrons. So, see you guys. Hope you all have a good one. See you next time. Thanks to our patrons, Dan Barber, Josh Jarrell, Matthew Green, my name is Dan, Douglas Below, Sean Santarud, Eric McAllister, Matt Sycamore, Funk Turkey, Danny Villobos, Shadowist, Stephen Salazar, The Stonard, Travis Below, Eduardo Palomino, Stefan Swanlin, Coy Live, Philip Laguerre, Corey Hickerson, Solitary Red, Brian, Donovan Williams, William Digital Spooker, Derek Porter, Josh Ayers, Brandon Edwards, Sean One, Neo, Tyler Powers, Dylan Kirby, and Sandcoffin. If you would like to be a patron, a patron like we said, go over to patreon.com slash Thank you.